This is The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. The Soul's Intent is a show that boldly claims that it can help reveal where you are on the spiritual path. Learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. Listen, and in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. This is The Soul's Intent, and now here's your host, Ernie Vecchio. I was thinking of of the topic of today's show, and I was thinking, do we really grow up? Do we really mature if we don't get past the trick that the ego has played on us? Because in a way, until then, we're not really conscious and truly self-responsible. So Mm -hmm. do we really mature? Do we really... Right, and and of course the answer answer to that is we don't. I mean, we we don't mature Mm -hmm. beyond midlife. Midlife is the yeah. midlife is the natural wake up moment uh, for most humans, and that midlife period is 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 the moment when we're supposed to go. Okay, we've been tricked. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did everything that I was supposed to do, mm-hmm. and something's still missing. Mm-hmm. And and the something that's missing is me. I'm missing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that. That whole idea, and so the the reason that the big that the biggest trick the ego plays was successful is because the collective ego got behind it. Uh, had the collective ego not embraced it, you know, which means which means you know didn't really embrace this idea that okay, if human beings are naturally afraid, and the and the natural response, the animal response to fear is fight or flight then let's play on the fear of fear itself and mm-hmm. see what, and see what we can do and it is literally the the impetus for everything in our culture that we buy that we purchase that we do everything is built yeah. around fear and so it's just yeah it's pretty crazy really yeah. i mean it's um, mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was also thinking that you know along with um do we really can we really mature if we don't get past that trick that the ego plays on us i was also thinking can we truly experience the dimensions of love truth and freedom no we wouldn't be able to um yeah that's i mean i was relating it to my own life personally but you know lots of conversations i have with people in this kind of imagined prison that they're still living in um well beyond midlife um yeah and, and it's i don't think to to understand that uh the trick that the ego plays on us um that to get it and to kind of um, move through that. I don't think that means going um, crazy and being irresponsible and all of that. It just it means um, knowing that you're consciously choosing. You're consciously yeah. choosing, and you're responsible for those choices. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so beautiful about um, the work that I'm bringing is is that I say that it integrates all religions and all spiritual teaching. And it integrates all psychological and counseling theory. By that I mean that if you don't want to abandon your imagination, which is if you imagine that we live in a universe of a loving God, if you want to hold on to that imagination, none of the stuff that I'm teaching takes you away from that. Uh, if anything, mm-hmm. if anything, it, it, it makes that experience richer. But 
But there's a caveat. Mm-hmm. There's a caveat to that, that the more awake you become, the more you see the trick. And the mm-hmm. more freedom that you acquire, uh, the more you recognize how constricted and how many freedoms we've lost mm-hmm. as human beings. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah. and so I'm and so I'm kind of saying that you know this isn't what I'm teaching is a way to be in the world, and but it, and it isn't the antithesis of of religion. If anything, it it, it marries religion just fine. But if mm-hmm. you want, but if you want to graduate to a spiritual existence, which is the pursuit and understanding of why you suffer and why you are here, and mm-hmm. what you and what your and what your purpose really is, which is to um, grow into reciprocal relationship with the world around you, and of course, and of course, the first relationship that's the most important is the one you're having with yourself. So that mm-hmm. inner that inner life. Uh, piece is huge and so so it's so it isn't in conflict with that but it is but these guys would call me a moderate because i'm giving people an out you see Hmm. Uh, that i'm not holding firm to the um to the intellectual honesty because if you're being intellectually honest so in other words if you're merging spirituality with reason you have to abandon the mythology Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of us, most of us, are just not willing to do that to abandon that mythology, uh, mm-hmm. because because for some of us it works. Yeah. I was interested um, in what you wrote about um, believing that the external is is what's true when really it's it's the reverse. It's it's our our inner life that that is true. Um, I wonder, can you expand more on that, on, on how that plays out in a person's life? Well, well, when when you consider that everything that we build our life on is this idea of how can I be unafraid? How can I secure and shore up and anchor a life that is predictable and stable? Uh, that is all external doing, you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how you how you uh, gauge success, how you gauge uh, relationship, how you gauge uh, career choices and vocations and paths like that. Uh, these are all kind of external things. But what you end up discovering, if you you know, it's like like we said about Joseph Campbell, if you follow the path that's been cut for you, um, you can't backtrack and then pick up the machete and cut your own path. And so, and so the way I kind of see it in my head is, is that if you, if you follow a path that's been cut for you, and most of us do, uh, you come up to the edge of another forest, uh, and, and have that same choice around midlife. That I, you know, that, that I, you know, I went ahead and, and followed the path and there's still something that's just not right. So I'm going to go, instead of taking this path to the right, which is a particularly, the politically and religious correct path, I'm going to take the path to the left, which requires me to pick up the machete and cut my own way from this point on. I mean, so I think that that's, that's what I'm trying to say there, that, that when you make that choice to go to the path that has not been cut, then now you're going inward and and the whole thing changes. The whole process changes. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, but a lot of us live our lives thinking that if we can get the um, um, external arranged just right, then that thing that feels like it's missing will will ease somehow, and it's, it never really works that way. <laughs> well, and we've merged, you know, and we've merged on the path that's already been cut. We've merged victimization with human suffering and human adversity, and uh, and they're not the same animal, you know. The 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 uh, struggle with the path that's already been cut for us is that it's incongruent with our inside world. So that's a different kind of suffering than cutting a, than cutting our own path, which is more congruent with our inner world. And so it's mm-hmm. it, 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 yeah. it's almost like when we get to that fork in the road around midlife that we now have a choice to suffer uh, meaningfully. You know, with you know, with mm-hmm. with meaning, rather than to suffer for just the sake of victimization, and uh, yeah, and so it, and it, so it doesn't really prepare us. Uh, this following the path that's been cut, it doesn't really prepare us uh, on on this idea of how to suffer, and because uh, there is a way to suffer, and and it is clearly to self-correct, and by that I mean. To get back to the to the one that we were in the beginning, instead of the I and the me that we became, and uh, and that that's the that's the choice that we have. And uh, but without guidance, without direction, if you're flying by the seat of your pants or you're following the guy up front, you're probably not going to make it. At mm-hmm. some point, at some point, uh, that's where the the intellectual kind of honesty comes in. That's where integrity comes in. That's where self self inquiry comes in. That you know, you have to be looking uh, inward in this introspection and reflection to come up with uh, kind of access to that internal GPS, if you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it does. And and even if a person gets to that that place where they start waking up that they've kind of been uh, tricked by by the ego, um, and and they do start taking that inward journey, they still um, a lot of times have guilt and shame to um, process, deal with, um, understand, let go of. I mean, there's still work to do once you start waking up um, to the fact that you've been tricked by the ego. Well, yeah, the, the, the irony is that the guilt and shame that most of us possess is because we don't agree with the biggest trick. Uh, that's the, that's why we have guilt and shame. If we didn't agree with it, then we wouldn't have it. In other words, if we didn't buy it, if we didn't, yeah. didn't mm-hmm. if we didn't, if we didn't assume yeah. that guilt and shame is part of the is part of the experience, and uh, mm-hmm. and and that this whole thing is just a just a failed experiment. Uh, that no matter how how much we succeed or how much we evolve in our own lives, that then in the end we're still just imperfect. Uh, if we buy into that, then 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 you can see we're stuck. Mm-hmm. Guilt, guilt oh, and yeah. shame, guilt and shame of the present tense ego would be would be adapting uh, to this idea that am I innocent if guilt is being laid upon me. Or if am I deserving of love if I am ashamed? And in the immediate mm-hmm. moment, in the immediate moment, we can feel our way through that. 
But if we have a bunch of emotions that's tied to the mm-hmm. past, which is where guilt and shame comes from, from the model, from the biggest trick, then we we don't get there. So it's like yeah. two different it's two different types. It's like past tense, cultural guilt and shame, religious guilt and shame, and then actual real guilt and real shame. You see, uh, yeah, something that's not mm-hmm. made up, something that's real, and uh, yeah. Yeah. So is there healthy guilt and shame? Yeah, present tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, present tense mm-hmm. guilt and shame and 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 uh would means that you know if you're if you're doing something that is unethical which means you've you've looked at the context of things and see the larger picture and do it anyway then that's where guilt and shame comes in the present tense kind of way but if you're connected to your heart which is the ethic you're not going to do that habitually and you're not going to do it as a way of life. It's going to be a moment. Yeah. It's going to be a moment. It's like making a mistake. I mean, guilt is, mm-hmm. you know, I've made a mistake and now I need mm-hmm. to correct those mistakes. Uh, and yeah. so if, mm-hmm. if you're doing that in a present tense time, then, you know, those kind of mistakes can be fixed. And shame, of course, is I am a mistake. Well, since that is just absolutely insane, there's no way that we are mistakes. As human beings, uh, then then that has to be done to us. Uh, guilt we inherit, shame is something that happens to us, and mm-hmm. uh, and and so we have those two kind of merged in the culture as if they're the same animal and they're not. Uh, and many of us mm-hmm. are walking around with both of those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but present day shame, I would think, <laughs> is necessary because if it was non-existence. I mean, we might have a bunch of people running around naked in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, that, but that's, but that's just being conscientious. That's not necessarily, and conscientiousness, which is being self-aware or self-conscious, is mm-hmm. a, is a is a subcategory of consciousness itself, which is I am aware that I am aware. So, it, so it's it's, yeah. it's different. Yeah. It's a different kind of animal. So, but. But you know, one of the arguments that um, that is made in the culture is is that without these uh, rules, without these moral compasses that make us inherit guilt and shame, that we just be in a mm-hmm. chaotic, uh, crazy world, which takes away mm-hmm. which takes away the possibility that human beings can be responsible all on their own. They can be caring and compassionate mm-hmm. all on their own, and so. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a real slap in the face about what we think of our capacity uh, uh, to to do and be in the world. If we yeah. need, if we yeah. need that kind, of, and so it'd be no different. And this is the part about it that's ironic to me, being that I came from this kind of a background. If you're born in a world, and I was, where uh, you are ashamed to death for who you are, you came out of the womb, and your mother threw you away with a bathwater. And you spend the rest of your life trying to dig your way back in. If that's your life experience, you have a choice when you become old enough to parent your own children and say, "Do I want to pass that on to my mm-hmm. child?" You see. And uh, mm-hmm. how is that any different than uh, than a god of fear and a god that that demands subordination and submission? How's that parent mm-hmm. any different than the parent that shamed you? You see, it isn't any different. Right. And yeah. uh, and so and so when you, when it gets down to, I need a parent 
what kind of parent do you need? And are you uh, and do you support the idea that good parenting has in its formula guilting and shaming children? And if you have that in your in your uh, bag of tricks as a parent, and that's all you have, then you're stuck. And many of us, you know, I've, I've used the example before on, on some of the podcasts that I've done with you is, is that we all start out a passenger in somebody else's life. And as, mm-hmm. we sit in, as we sit in that back seat and experience that, which is the family culture, we make a pact with ourselves that when we get old enough to be the driver of our own vehicle, when we become old enough to, to make our own decisions, and even when we become old enough to parent children of our own, we all make a pact that we're going to do it differently than what we than what we experience. Mm-hmm. But we don't make that same decision on the collective ego. We make that decision about our our family culture, but we don't make it about the collective culture, and that's where we're stuck. You see, that's why I said before in the beginning that uh, that if you um, that the that the biggest trick the ego ever played is so powerful because the collective ego gets behind it. And supports it, and so it isn't enough to transcend the uh, uh, the um, guilt and shame of your own family. Now you have to transcend the guilt and shame of the culture. And this is in the word we how, use. How does one do that? How does one? Well, we don't. Um, well, <laughs> well, well, we don't. I mean, that's the that that's the word political correctness. I mean, political correctness mm-hmm. is not too far from religious con- uh, correctness. They're both kind of the same animal, uh, that law is law, rules are rules, right is right, and it's not up for debate. And, uh, and so it's hard. It's very hard. And so really the only, the only place that you can pull that off, of course, is inwardly. And then once you make the inner decision to, to be honest, no longer practice self-deception, uh, as mm. soon as you, as soon as you become honest with yourself, uh, and reason your way through that with feeling, not with just emotions, cause, cause they're contaminated feelings, emotions. Uh, so if you feel your way through that, then you're going to come out and say, Oh my gosh, look at all the time I've wasted and all the time I've lost, uh, trying mm-hmm. to feel okay about my place in the world and the, and the world around me. And, uh, and so, yeah, and that's really the spiritual journey. I mean, to me, that is the spiritual journey. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just, I just, um, uh, think about this, this topic, especially the, the piece of guilt and shame and, and carrying guilt and shame, not only from the past, but kind of projecting it out into the future and what a weight and kind of, cage um to create for ourselves and um i i can see i can see people around me that are are in those cages and may live out their entire life that way and um all you can do i I can just speak from my own experience with it all you can Mm -hmm. do is stand on the other side of the moat that surrounds Mm -hmm. that cage which is made up of, of that individual's fears, all you can do is on the other side of that moat in the dimension of, of what we're calling love, truth, and freedom, but really it's just a fancy way to say presence. Stand, right. stand present on the other side of that moat and, and just hold a lantern over there and say, you know, if you decide to, to 
to have the courage to uh, to exit this place that you're stuck in, there's a whole other world over here, and mm-hmm. uh, and that literally right. becomes and literally becomes a choice to do that. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you'd asked me countless times, you know, about my own victimization, how I was able to get past it. Well, that was that was it for me. I mean, I had people holding the lantern for me on the other side of that equation of the world that I was born into. And I knew there was a larger truth. I just didn't know what it was. And I didn't know what powers were fueling it, really. Mm. Because in the the beginning, I thought it was just the power of my beginning was what was fueling it. But the truth of the matter Mm. is is that uh, my beginnings – fueled my original perceptions but then the collective ego got behind it and fueled it mm-hmm. even, and fueled it even further and so mm-hmm. it became it became uh, i became kind of a fringe person because i chose not to be a victim i became a fringe person because i didn't buy everything i was being sold i didn't eat the menu in the restaurant i wanted actual real food um <laughs> and uh, and and so so is that as you as you make that decision, you you can already see that you become the minority in a world that predominantly is afraid to pick up their own machete and cut their own path. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, we call those people, you know, incredible when they do it, and we, you know, these are the these are the the leaders in our culture. These are the people that stand up against the. The norm, and uh, really, these are the people that challenge us to remember the ethic, which Point is, which yeah. is that, which is that we have the capacity, as human beings, to do you know incredibly atrocious things under the guise mm-hmm. of right and wrong, but we also have the capacity mm-hmm. to do incredible things under the umbrella of compassion and forgiveness and gratitude and appreciation and all those other words. I mean, so, so it's, yeah, and so it's not an either or. Kind of kind of thing, like I said to you in the email, that it's you know it, it it's it's not an either or you know are we are we bad or are we good? We are both, mm-hmm. but but at some point we we are to we are to get a handle on what it is about ourselves that we consider to be kind of unacceptable and really not not good for ourselves or for others, and then and then somehow change that, and that's really what yeah. what it gets down to. At some point, you have to get to a place. And this idea of what is right and what is wrong and say, well, right and wrong really is in the eye of the beholder because it's based upon one's angle of perception, one's vantage point. But the ethic is the larger mm-hmm. context for it all, which means we're all kind of in this together. We all have the same problems, the same fears, the same anxieties, the same desires and wishes and hopes. You know, which side do you want to fall down on, the ethical side of this, the larger context, or do you want to let the – but the rules kind of run the game. And uh, right. yeah, and so as you already know, most of us kind of go against, go with the rules. <laughs> well, and, and I can see why, because I'm thinking, you know, as a teacher, uh, a psycho-spiritual teacher, bringing what, what you're bringing to the public, I can see how it really, and being a person that kind of has lived on the, the fringes because it has to be done in kind of a um, very wise, kind of delicate way to um, challenge the status quo. And your teachings do, they do, um, but you do it in such in such a way that it's not 
you do it in a delicate way because I could see if it was too um, uh, too out there, too much shaking up the status quo, that um, it wouldn't be received by a lot of people that can receive it because of the way that you are, are giving it. I don't yeah. know if that makes any sense, but yeah. Well, it's it's like I said before that, you know, that I, I'm not saying to anybody that, you know, give up your imagination. You know, I, I, I like Henry David Thoreau's line on that. He said that the worst use of imagination is worry. I'm not asking mm-hmm. people to give up their worries. What I'm asking people is to use their intellect and their capacity to discern what is true and false versus what is right and wrong as they sit down with their worries. And, uh, and, and, and if they want to hold on to the imagination uh, of a different world and a different universe than I have, then that's perfectly fine. I'm not asking anybody to believe what I believe. You know, and that's the beauty of the, of, the, of the work that I've done. When I say I've merged psychological and counseling theory, I mean that if you walk into any mental health office in this country, really any place in the world, the stuff that I teach is the stuff you're getting. The difference is they're giving you a piece of it. I'm giving you all of it. And, and, and you will leave with a piece of it in many, in many mental health offices and feel like that you have, have arrived and you've figured something out. Imagine mm-hmm. what you would do if you had it all, if you could see all the yeah. pieces, if you could see all the pieces of the puzzle and make sense of the whole thing. And that's what, and that's, you know, the whole reason why people come into a mental health professional is, is that I have totally lost any sense of context about my life that mm-hmm. makes sense. Hmm. And, uh, and that's the reason they're there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so what you do with, uh, with psychological and counseling theories, you give them a new context and you give them a sliver of the larger piece because it's just too large, you see. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. they're they're coming in the door for a psychological relief, uh, and they want and so they they're gonna so they want it quickly and they want it as fast as they can. And plus, they can't afford you know to to do this inner journey uh, of self inquiry for you know years years and years and years. It's just too expensive, and so they want they they really want an immediate relief from their psychological pain. And in that mm-hmm. in that uh, in that audience. Of people that are pursuing relief, there are there are there are also spiritual people that will go. You mean there's more? You mean it's larger mm-hmm. than what I imagined? And say yes, it's so much larger than what you imagined. Mm-hmm. Would you mm-hmm. would, would you be interested in coming back and talking about what that means? You see, and that literally is mm-hmm. what happened. Probably about a third of my private practice wh- when I was doing it was those people, and when I was in the mm-hmm. hospital. When I was in the hospital, it was more than half of the people that I was treating that once they got past the psychological pain and they had a spiritual awakening, they wanted to know more. And uh, so mm-hmm. and so that that that's the point. And so getting somebody's attention is one challenge. Holding their attention is another. Mm-hmm. And that word attention is key because what you give attention to really dictates your life. That that you're focused on is really what kind of impacts how you're handling life, you see. And so, um, mm-hmm. but so so yeah. So the so the stuff that I'm teaching 
is so integrative and so holistic because it really deals with the psychological, the mental, and the spiritual component, the mind-body-spirit idea, for example. It really does address all those dimensions, but not everybody wants to work on mind, body, and spirit. A lot of people just want to work on the mind. They could care less about the mm. body and the spirit, you see. And so, mm. yeah, and so it's only when I, it's, it's only when life attacks your body which which forces you to get in it in that moment, which is a moment of presence, mm-hmm. that you go, oh my gosh, there's body and spirit. <laughs> you know, I was just coming to mm-hmm. see you about my mind, which is driving me crazy. You know, um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, so it it becomes kind of a, a process of elimination of, of those clients or those people that are interested in looking at the larger context. And I certainly understand people that want to fix their lives and go on back to business as usual. I understand that, uh, which is why not everybody follows the path. That's why, you know, mm-hmm. that's why Scott Peck called it the road less traveled. It's less traveled yeah. because it's the most time consuming and it's the largest commitment. You know, I've committed my life to this. You've committed your life to this. Well, mm-hmm. I made this commitment pretty young. You know, you made your commitment pretty young. You know, it's not a commitment you just decide to wake up one day and make. It's a it's a way of living and a way of interacting with the world. And so and so that's really why the spiritual path is is intimidating to so many people. But the the other side of that, we have a lot of spiritual teachers that are acting like there's shortcuts to this. Yeah. That um, yeah. And that's and that's where it gets a little bit confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the biggest thing that that stood out to me when I was thinking about the show today is is the understanding and the awareness that if we don't um, understand this trick that the ego plays on us um, in some pretty big important ways, we don't get to mature. And to me, gosh, I. I Gosh, I mean, that's like the most important thing because maturity brings you um, freedom of choice, freedom. <laughs> but to to know that um, whatever your life is, unless you are being victimized, truly victimized, you're choosing it, and you mm-hmm. can choose just. That's what, to me, that's what maturity is. And without understanding the the trick of the ego and kind of moving through that, you don't get to mature. Well, and it's and and see the word I'm hearing when you're saying maturity is, is I'm hearing the word depth. You know that that uh, mm-hmm. that when you think about uh, what emotional maturity is, it is it is um, learning from your experiences and trying not to make those same mistakes again and trying not to, you know, and, and not operating on, the, on this idea that hindsight's twenty twenty, and and try to be present with your life in a way that you're not just using hindsight to guide you. Uh, but most people get hindsight's twenty twenty and think because of, because of the vision, it's 2020 means it's perfect vision. Well, yeah, but you're looking over your shoulder in hindsight, and, which means you're looking at the past to to live your life in the in the present and plan the future. Uh, mm-hmm. So what you're describing as maturity, I would describe as depth. That 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 as you learn from the pain of your life, uh, and you see that the pain of your life has given you this wisdom that you didn't have before. 
you then have to fall in love with that mm-hmm. uh, to go after more wisdom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then what? And so what ends up happening is a shift occurs where that nothing that's behind you is nearly as bad as anything that's in front of you. In other words, all you know, all the stuff that you've been through to bring you to me, to bring you in front of a teacher that says it's larger than this, it has been pain. Well, all that pain and all that years of accumulation of that pain isn't, you know, once you get the depth of that, nothing's going to happen to you again, short of tragedy, uh, you know, in the present moment, and short of death itself, that's going to rattle you so much that it's not going to grow you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think of maturity, and I I do understand what you're saying about depth, but I see uh, maturity being that um, you no longer have this sense or this need to follow the guy up front. I see that as maturity. I also see um, um, making contact with... um, the part of you that thinks for yourself, it's, it's, it's making contact with that because I think that also is a big part of waking up to the, the trick of the ego is realizing, oh, wait a minute, who or what has been doing my thinking? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and kind of breaking through that and realizing, oh, there's another part of me that thinks for myself. And to me, that's that's moving into that place that that I would call maturity, but also depth. Same thing. Well, um, and but but what you're saying too, though, is important. Is is that you're saying that up to this point, I was driven by my emotions, and mm-hmm. now that I am awake, I am being pulled by my feelings. And so hmm. and so the the idea is that you feel more and emote less. Uh, mm. because emotions are tied to a thought, which is really on the hard drive that is the human ego, which is tied to a memory and a message of guilt and shame. And so mm-hmm. when you get to a present tense place with your feelings, you no longer have to be at the mercy of your emotions. Um, yeah. and, and, and making that distinction between the two, which is one is a reaction to the present tense, the other one is a reenactment of the past. And so yeah. this is what happens when you really embrace a spiritual existence, uh, which is, you know, that I don't have to be swimming in this material anymore. I can now, I can now mm-hmm. feel my way through this. That's why I, I, I love the example of the blind guy. You know, if you if you take a blind person and you and you go into their home, they can move around their apartment and around their house and not bump their shins or bang their head or knock anything over because they have totally memorized the entire internal structure of their of their space so to speak you put that same mm-hmm. blind person in an unfamiliar environment then they have to feel their way through that to 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 readjust you see and so it, that's what happens in the in the biggest trick is in the biggest trick we are we are bumping our heads and we're banging our shins and we're memorizing these experiences as if this is as good as it gets when it's just 
but it, it's just a past tense environment. If you get a present mm-hmm. tense, brand new environment, and you feel your way through that, which is which is not tied to anything from your past, but right here, right now, then th- it'll be a matter of time before you can feel your way through anything. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That's, and, and that's and what a major difference. Yeah, what a major difference. Yeah, and so and so the yeah. ego, the ego by design, by design is blind. It's blinded by the mm-hmm. past, and, and and it can't see nor take responsibility for the present moment. But uh, but you know, I I don't I don't. You know, I mean, so I was getting ready to say I don't like what Eckhart Tolle says that that it's all just mental constructs. Yeah, the, yes, of course they're mental constructs, but but they're past tense mental constructs. And um, when you realize that you're more than just a mental being, you're more than just a thinking being, that you're also a feeling being that is tied to a compass, which is the human heart uh, that knows what is true, then it's no longer a mental construct anymore. Now Now it's life as you make it. Life as yeah. you design it. Life as you – it's no different than, you know, the couch doesn't look good in front of the window. Let's put it over here in front of the television. You know, the couch doesn't – you know, the bed doesn't look good on this wall. Let's put the bed on that wall. You really are rearranging your entire inner world to match where you are right now. Now, do, mm-hmm. you, call, do you call those mental constructs? No, those are, those are choices that are being made in the present tense of how you want to be in your environment, how you want to be in the world. And so yeah. the yeah. yeah, yeah, and that we're more than more than emotional beings because I think that also is a trick that the ego plays on us because yes. emotions seem seem um, powerful, they seem powerful, but that's. Um, that's really an illusion. So I think that. Well, they are powerful. Well, they are powerful in the sense that that uh, that if we stay inside the same analogy of moving furniture around, mm-hmm. uh, if 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 I think the couch is who I am, so in other words, that couch is symbolic of a memory and of an experience that was painful. Then the couch takes on a symbol above and beyond just being a couch. That piece of furniture mm. is 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 a structure. That's what that's what Tolley's calling a mental construct. Uh, emotions are powerful enough to anchor the couch so much so you may feel that the couch is better in front of the television, but the ego says leave it on the wall in front of the window. Mm-hmm. And what makes you do that? The ego scares you that if you make a change. It's not good, you see. Mm-hmm. So, so emotions mm-hmm. are very powerful in the sense that they anchor our ideas about who we think we are. And more importantly, our ideas about what we are. And what we are is a spiritual feeling uh, being long before we're ever a thinking construct. Mm. And uh, mm. And so getting back to that, idea of feeling your way through life versus emoting your way through is really important because you're really letting go of all the anchors that uh, that fuel those emotions to begin with, which means you're letting go of all the ideas, all the false ideas of what you think those things are symbolic of. And uh, and so that symbology is huge. And so so look, look at what we've done. If you take the internal world uh, of 
and the and the ego's role in the internal world, it tells you to leave the furniture exactly what it is and makes you afraid to move it or even get rid of it. Mm. Uh, uh, but when you wake up, you realize that uh, that those things need to go. And and when you let go, when you let go of these structures of who you think you are, there's a void there for a minute. You know, there's a there's an emptiness. There's a and 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 in that emptiness, we suffer. But if you stay with it long enough, you find out that in that place is also space, which is freedom. That you didn't really need that couch. You know, you could you could accomplish the same thing by just putting a, a brand new chair there and get rid of the old couch that has all that symbology attached to it. So. So yeah, it's all kind of wow. that's that's majorly important. I think what you just said that there is that that space that those um, kind of that transition of moving from kind of almost believing that we are our emotions or we are our past or we are our ego. What I want people to get in this podcast today is that when I talk about the biggest trick that the ego played or plays. I want people to understand that that's just one part of the equation, you know, that there's a larger trick that's being played on the ego. And that is the culture itself. Mm. And so it isn't just enough to figure out the trick your ego is playing. The next thing to figure out is what trick is the culture playing to keep your ego afraid of being afraid. If you're gonna if you're gonna exit the box that you've created for yourself, th- then you're gonna be just know that you're now aware of the larger box, and that larger box mm-hmm. also needs to collapse. It also needs to be transcended in some way, and that really is the spiritual challenge. That in the beginning, human beings uh, develop egos very early, and um, like at the onset of language, that's how early it begins somewhere around, you know, 16, 18 months of age, as soon as we take on some sense of I and me, the ego is formed. And then it it's soft, it's palatable, it's a piece of clay until we hit you know, kind of like mid-adolescence. And then around that time, it turns to a hard, fixed idea of who we think we are. And this, mm-hmm. and, and it isn't really cracked open again and really isn't challenged again until all the way up into midlife, which is 35 to 45. So, yeah. so th- this is it. I mean, if, if we're growing, we have to understand that uh, that that the the trick, the larger trick, is that the collective culture uh, isn't going to encourage our growth. If there's anything that religion is doing, uh, in particular, is that it's not helping people in their worst possible moment. I know this because I've seen it happen too many times and in mm-hmm. too many religions, and so. Uh, and so the the you know Wayne Dyer wrote the book that there's a spiritual solution to every problem. Well, that's a that's a good title because mm-hmm. that's true. What he's really saying mm-hmm. with that book title is that there's a feeling solution versus an emotional solution. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's why I, that's why I kind of teach people to feel more in the present and emote less from the past because those are outdated ways of seeing things. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible. 
While problems manifest psychospiritually, on a most essential level, there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness. And the soul's intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom, and how in an instant learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice.